to the New Story Church podcast. The message you're about to enjoy was delivered live at New Story Church in downtown Los Angeles. For more information, check out newstorychurch.com or visit us any Sunday at LA Trade Tech College. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. Hey Siri, how long will it take me to find the one? According to Tinder.com, you could find someone right now. Hey Alexa, am I fulfilling my life's purpose? I cannot answer that question, but we'll order your best life now by Joe Lustine with your Prime account. Hey Google, what's going to happen in my future? The closest psychic is located on the corner of 22nd and Olive Street. For real answers to life's toughest questions, ask God. All right, good morning, everybody. Great to have you here and join us for our worship here on Long Weekend. Uh, my name is Stephen, one of the pastors here, and if, especially if you're new to a new story, I'd like to just welcome you to this place of worship. Pastor Tom is actually taking this weekend off. This is actually his first Sunday off ever since he joined our church nine months ago. So this is a very important time. I don't know, how many of you follow him on Instagram? Anybody follow Pastor Tom? One, two, <laughs> okay. <laughs> He'll be so thrilled to hear this, okay? Uh, well, he posted this on Friday on his way to vacation that he's going to be spending this entire weekend with his girls for their uh, softball tournament. And uh, if you see this, he posted this particular story that uh, Allie, daughter, is like, hey, dad, let's go, let's go. They're so excited to to drive down to San Diego, Pastor Tom is saying, I'm not sure whether I really want to go. And uh, he's like dreading it. He's like very, very scared to let uh, people know that he needs our prayer. So church, we need to pray for our pastor that God will change his heart, that he will enjoy his time with his family down in San Diego together uh, this weekend. But all seriousness, I think uh, this is a great time for him to be away and be rejuvenated and refreshed, uh, just being away with his family, and that he'll come back next week with God's word. Not only that, this weekend, uh, we have a group of young adults are actually having a retreat, uh, first news story young adults retreat in Palm Springs, and uh, they're having a great time loving God, loving one another. Let's continue to pray for them as they continue to spend this weekend together in Palm Springs. Well, as you heard that today we're wrapping up our series called Ask God. And uh, I'm so encouraged to hear so many of you giving feedback about how this particular series was really impacting your life in a very significant way. Um, it's great to hear some stories how your life is pivoting and be able to be guided by the Lord during this particular series. And I'm not surprised because um, by far, hands down, as you heard, this is the one question that's being asked far more than any other questions that we get as pastors. What is God's will for my life? Where should I go? What does God want me to do with my life? That is the most asked question that we get. These are the great questions because we're seeking divine direction, wanting to make the right decision in our lives. Right decision that we want to make in our lives. Do you know how many decisions that you make on a given day? Last year, Psychology Today had an article that says, an average 
adult makes 35,000 decisions per day. 35,000 decisions per day. Now, the number could be arguable because each person is so different, but you have to accept the truth that everybody in this room, everybody in, in our city, it makes a lot of decisions on a given day. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Some are big, some are small. Some are very stressful decisions, and some are very mundane decisions. But life is nothing but decisions, decisions, and decisions. This morning, you got up this morning, and, and ever since the, the moment you opened your eyes, you had to make a ton of decisions. Shower or no shower? <laughs> yeah, some people have to think about that. Breakfast or no breakfast? Black shirt or white shirt? A five freeway or 110 freeway? You know, LATTC parking or street parking? or the comfy chair, or the plastic chair. Wherever you go, you have to make certain decisions, and you make 35,000 decisions every day. And these are fairly easy decisions to make, and we could fairly manage these routine decisions well, everyday life. But there are some important decisions that we have to face in life, and these are very important decisions. Maybe some of you are standing at a crossroads and you have to make very important decisions for you and maybe for your family, for your future. Which school to go to? Which job to take? Whom to marry or whom not to marry? Do I go through a surgery or not? Do I relocate to a different city or not? These are very important decisions that we actually stand at a, at a crossroads and we ponder upon this very important decision because we know how important these decisions are. Because our, when we make our decisions, our decisions make us. Who we are today is a, is a result of all the decisions that we made in the past. And the decisions that we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. So we actually think about the decision that we have to make and ponder upon it. As a matter of fact, David, King David, had the same concern in his life. Psalm 25 verse 4 says this. David says, show me your way, Lord. Teach me your paths. Show me your way. Which way should I take, left or right? or up or down. Teach me your path. David was crying out to God, God, show me your path. Show me your way. I want to follow your way. That was his cry. That was his prayer. Many researchers say that making decisions has become increasingly more difficult over the years. In fact, they say this generation, this emerging generation is the most indecisive generation that they ever came, they ever came across. The most indecisive generation. How many of you think that you're very indecisive? How many of you are not sure? Okay, the rest of you, rest of you are not sure, okay? You're still not sure about, am I not sure about, not sure about, not, what, what? that's who we are. Um, they say that the reason, one of the reasons why our indecisiveness comes into our, our, our lives is because, num number one, because we have way too many options to choose from. 
You saw this picture last Sunday. When you go to Target, you go to toothpaste section, and just one brand alone, Colgate alone, you have this many options to to choose from. I mean, overwhelming. I mean, it's no joke that you have to choose one out of these many options, not to include other brands that you have to choose from. Uh, I often sit in front of TV and turn Netflix on and and I don't know what to watch. I, I, I just look at all the titles. I go through all the trailers and I spend about 20, 30 minutes and then I ended up not watching anything. I feel like I already watched a movie because there's so many options out there. That's why we are very indecisive. Another reason why they say it's kind of hard for us to decide is not only because of the options, because of the fear of making the wrong decision. We all made a bad decision in life. We all made a bad decision that we regret about in life. The purchase that you made, the person that you dated, and the list could go on and on to to think about all the bad choices, bad decisions that you made in your life, and you do not not want to make the, the bad decision again. So what do we do? What do people do? They try to look for a different option, try to look for a different way to find their decision or solution and choice. But the problem is they don't know where to turn to. So sometimes they just go with their gut feeling. I just feel like going here versus there. Another option that they choose is let's just flip a coin and see where it lands. Psychic or palm reader, you spend money to have somebody tell you who to marry, where to go. That's how the world responds. Or you make a a roulette like this, a a wheel with a lot of options. What should I eat for lunch? You know, is it a Korean barbecue or sushi? And you spin the wheel and you land on sushi. Right? Oh, yeah, sushi. Uh, That's my favorite. Uh, You eat sushi. That's a great way to select your decision. I mean, it's kind of fun to do that. There's nothing harmful about this particular thing about when it comes to your lunch options. But when it comes to more important decisions in life, you like three guys. So you put their names down on the, on the board and says, who should I date? You know, who should I go out with? No, there has to be a better way than leave it to the game of chance. The good news is this, that God knows you And he wants you to know his will more than you ever want to know. Let me put it one more time. God wants you to know his will far more than you ever want to know it. God says in Psalm 32 verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. In other words, our God is a personal God. Our God is an intimate God. I want, our God is a very uh, uh, much caring about your life. And he's intimately involved in your life. He wants to guide you step by step. He's not playing a peekaboo or hide and seek with you. He's not pre- uh, trying to trick you or anything. He wants to direct you and guide you and show you step by step in your decision making to make sure that you go in the right place. You go to the right place with his eye on you, with his eye on you. In fact, that's the guiding principle of the entire series that we're going through. Um, you remember this particular thing that we actually went through for a few weeks now? 
the guiding principle of Ask God series is that we make our what? Plans. We make our plans, but God guides our steps. Don't you ever forget this particular message here. We make plans. We make all kinds of plans. We make our wedding plans. We make our vacation plans. We make our career plans. We make our uh, you know, business plans and even ministry plans. We make all kinds of plans, but don't you ever forget that it is God who is guiding our steps. So when we make our plans, make sure that you hold on to your plans loosely because it might pivot. It might change. You can make plans for your wedding. You can make plans for your vacation, but hold it loosely. As a matter of fact, uh, we talked about a better equation that we can understand. And maybe in God's economy, this is a better equation for us to understand, which is our, our steps are greater or equal to great plans. See, God is wanting us to take one solid step after another. God is asking us to take one step with him, one decision with him, and that step is far more important than your plan itself because your plan may change in your life. Our life is a one great adventure with lots of surprises, different turns and twists that we have to deal with. So what we need to do is we just need to hold on to the Lord's hand and walk one step at a time. As we wrap up our series today, let me just kind of point out kind of a, a snapshot of what God's will is according to the scripture. And I'm going to give you practical steps that you can take. Hopefully this will be really applicable to you in your current situation as you're thinking about different options and different decisions that you have to make in your personal, individualized life as well. First of all, the Bible tells us that there are three kinds of God's will, three aspects to God's will. One is God's sovereign will. Second is God's moral will, the moral will of God. And third is the personal will of God. Sovereign will of God, moral will of God, and third is the personal will of God. A sovereign will of God is very simple. Sovereign will um, of God refers to God is doing... Um, God is going to do whatever he wants to do regardless. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to God. It's not up to anybody. And that is, uh, God is the author of the universe, and God is author of our lives, and he has full control over your life uh, on the sovereign level. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says this, All things are done according to God's plan and decision. And God chose us to be his own people in union with Christ because of his own purpose based on what he had decided from the very beginning. He made a decision already for you. He made a plan for you. He's a sovereign God, and he's the one who's in charge of human history as well as the one who's in charge of your life. So when it comes to your personal life, in regards to your personal life, for example, you didn't choose your own parents. You didn't choose your own siblings. You didn't choose your own ethnicity. You didn't even choose your own gender. These are the things that are given to you. God sovereignly made the decisions for you. It has nothing to do with your decision or your preference. It was already made for you. And that's God's sovereign will. It's already determined 
before you even knew it. And that's God's sovereign realm. And I want you to know that this is uh, something that we have to accept in God's hidden realm, and we will never know the answer as to why on this side of eternity. We will never know the answer to God's sovereign will in your life, in my life, on this side of eternity. We will find that in heaven, but not here. That's sovereign will. The so second will of God is God's moral will. God's moral will refers to all the do's and don'ts that we find in the scripture, in the Bible. The Bible is so clear, black and white, here in this book, telling you and me exactly how to live a life, what kind of a life that we have to choose. Second um, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is God-breathed, is inspired by God, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that servant of God, people like you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you look at this particular verse, it's very clear that God has given us the scripture, all scripture, to be um, a way that he will teach us. He would rebuke us what to do and not to do and correct us in training in righteousness. So this is the book that we have to go by. This is an abundantly clear, revealed will of God, moral will of God revealed in this particular book that we're holding. And this is your compass. This is your guide. This is going to direct you, and this is abundantly clear in the Scripture as well. So do you want to know God's will? you got to go back to the Scripture. This is the, like the guardrail, the boundary. Um, within this boundary, you will find God's will for your personal life, but you have to understand that God's moral will is clearly revealed in the Scripture. So in, one example that we can think about is that maybe you have to think about God's will for your life, about your particular situation. I cannot tell you exactly which route to choose, uh, right now, but I could tell you something. God's will is for you to love instead of hate. God's will for you is to forgive instead of holding grudges. God's will for you is to stay pure and sanctified instead of falling into sexual immorality. God's will for you is to stay uh, truthful instead of lying because that's exactly what God has revealed unto us. And you don't have to argue about it because it's already revealed unto us in the Scripture. So you have to submit to that. So you have to understand the Scripture is crystal clear and great compass for us to understand where we need to go. I picked up this thing. Does anybody know what this thing is? What do you call this? Plum. It's a plumb line. Plumb line. Plumb line. This is a... I picked it up from Home Depot here, but uh, this is the one device. This is one of the oldest instruments that builders have used ever since ancient Egypt from 3000 BC. So for the last 5,000 years, this has been a little instrument that people have used. And this is called plumb line because they use, and they still use it now, um, to make sure that the wall that they're building are completely straight and vertical. And how do you know this wall is straight and vertical? You put the plumb line next to the wall to make sure that this is not crooked. It's not slanted. Because this tells you 
always is straight down. It's a completely vertical. This would not lie. This is your plumb line. I want you to know that God's word is your plumb line. As a matter of fact, Amos chapter 7, verse 7 says, God is holding a plumb line in his hand. He's the one that tells you exactly what is right and what is wrong. And whatever decision you're trying to make, it has to line up with this plumb line. It has to be. Make sure that it's in agreement with the scripture. So whatever God is trying to tell you cannot contradict the scripture that you're holding. So that's important for us to understand that God's sovereign will and God's moral will are very, very clear in the scripture and will determine plumb line for your everyday personal decisions in your life as well. So here's a, something that I want you to understand. The more familiar with the plumb line, the more familiar with your, uh, the more familiar you are with God's moral will, the easier you would be able to determine your personal will for your future, for your life. Does it make sense? The more you're familiar with God's way, the easier you would become to understand and determine your personal decision for your life. So you need to spend time on the scripture and kind of a bathe in the scripture and marinate your heart and your mind to make sure that you will be able to understand. So you understand God's sovereign will. You understand God's moral will. And now, where you're struggling is your God's personal will for your life. And that's things like the decisions they were thinking about. Which school to go to? Whom to marry? Which job to take? These are like really the practical questions you're dealing with. When people come to me and ask these questions, they usually come with an expectation, Pastor, can you give me a magical formula, a formula that would work in my particular situation to tell me whether I should take option A or option B? If you were to ask me right now, I cannot tell you the answer in this particular setting. So many of you, so many different stories and contexts, but there's one particular uh, process that I want you to Adopt, And this particular process would help you clarify God's will for your life. Three words. Stay with me, okay? Three words, okay? Repeat after me. First is devotion. That leads to conviction. And that leads to action. One more time. Devotion. Conviction. And action. Devotion is talking about you have to spend time with the Lord in prayer, right? That's what devotion is. God wants us to go to him with the, the struggles, the, the decision-making that we have to deal with. Oftentimes, we act first and then pray later. That's completely opposite of what God is asking us to do. We need to pray first and then act later instead of act first and pray later. Some of you are standing, literally standing at a crossroads right here this morning, thinking about the decisions that you have to make later today or decisions you have to make this coming week. 
Maybe it has to do with your family, has to do with your job, maybe it has to do with a person that you care about, some kind of decision that you have to make. And that's important in your heart. When you're standing at a crossroads, I want you to pray first. I want you to pray about that particular decision. As you're praying to God about the particular decision, I want you to listen to what God has to speak to you more than just talking to him. It's a two-way communication instead of just one-way communication. And as you're kind of devoting yourself to the Lord in the scripture and your prayer, you got to ask two questions, two guiding questions that would clarify which one to take. One is, this option that I'm thinking about, the option A I'm thinking about, does that agree with the Bible? Okay, very clear, okay? My personal decision that I have to make about this particular option I'm thinking about, does that agree with the Bible? Okay? And not about just the decision goal per se, but also the why and how. Is my motive pure? Am I doing the God-honoring process? So you have to make sure that you look at your heart, is does this really agree with the Bible? The second guiding question they have to ask yourself in your devotional time is that, does it really make me become more like Christ? Because whatever decision that you make, God's will for you according to the Bible, He wants you to become more like Christ. So does this particular option that I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about choosing, would that help me to become more like Christ? And you got to ask that question honestly. So as you seek God, as you listen to God, the deep posture of listening, you're offering three kinds of prayers The first is a prayer of trust. Lord, I trust you. I trust that you know the answer before I make the decision. I trust that you know what's best for me. Telling God that you trust him. Proverbs 3, um, 5 to 7, you know the verse really well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Go all in. And do not lean on. Lean on means that you put weight on. Don't put your weight on your own puny mind. Put your weight on the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge that he's good. Acknowledge that he's faithful. Acknowledge that he's the Lord of your life. Acknowledge him in your life. And then the scripture promises that, and he, God, will make your path straight. So our responsibility is to trust. So you, as you spend time in devotion, God, I I trust you. I know I'm... I'm very um, doubting about my future, but I want to trust you. Help me to trust you more and make sure that you bring your heart to the place of trust. And then when you come to the place of trust, that turns into a prayer of surrender. God, since you know what's best for me, God, whatever you want, I will do. Whatever you say, I will obey. If you tell me to go southwest, I'll go southwest. If you tell me to go northeast, I will go northeast. Yeah, I might be a little bit nervous about this direction, but if you, 
If you tell me to go, I will go. So it's a, it's a, it's a prayer of surrender. God, I'll surrender my future unto you. God, I want your will. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. I want your will. So when you come to the Lord with the prayer of surrender, you come to the Lord with open hands, with a surrender heart. And, you know, whatever God says, you already said yes to it already. You already said yes to it already. Do you know what makes it so difficult for us to figure out God's will? It's not that God is not clear about your future. It's not that God is not clear about his direction for you. What's so hard about us figuring out our, uh, our decision is that we are not sure whether we want to obey whatever God tells us to do. So we often come to the Lord, Lord, tell me which route to take. Okay, take route A, but let me consider it. Let me make my own decision first, but let's see whether you would rubber stamp it. Oftentimes, we come to the Lord with that kind of mindset. That's not surrender heart. So we have to surrender our agenda for God's agenda that it will be clear in our minds. A.W. Tozer, great preacher of the last century, said this, Most Christians don't hear God's voice because we have already decided we aren't going to do what he says. That's the hard truth. People, many people, do not want God's guidance for their life. They don't. They just want to check with the Lord to make sure that they get what they want. No, God wants to make sure, God wants us to make sure that we surrender our agenda for God's agenda. When you have the prayer of trust, prayer of surrender, and you have another prayer, it's a prayer for wisdom, prayer for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Claiming James chapter 1, verse 5. The scripture teaches us, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should, not, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God, just like what this particular verse says, I ask you for your wisdom about my situation. God, give us the wisdom. And how do we get the wisdom? The more we devote ourselves to the scripture, we get the wisdom. This is the true wisdom that we should be hungry for. And we need to hear God's word. God, I want to see what you want me to see. I want to hear what you want me to say to me. In my college days, um, after my junior year, I was struggling with my call. You know, I kind of had a sense that I may be called to be a pastor, but I wasn't sure. So I wanted to discern that will. So um, God led me to go on a short-term mission trip down to Peru. I was spending uh, six weeks in the Amazon jungle. I wanted to make sure that, I, God, I want to give this summer to you, that you would make it clear to me. I don't want to go to seminary and, and go in this direction when I'm not supposed to be a pastor. So make it very abundantly clear to me where I should go. So I went to South America and spent the entire summer there just serving the Lord every single morning when I was having devotional, asking God the same question, should I go into the ministry or not? Should I be a pastor or not? No answer. I thought that I would hear some kind of audible answer in the jungle, but nothing, nothing, no, no answer came. It was the last week of our summer missions trip. I was having a devotional in the book of Isaiah, and there's one particular verse that just grabbed my heart, and, and God 
was uh, speaking to me, like shaking me and speaking to me like directly to, to my heart, to my situation. And ever since then, this particular verse became my life verse. And this is what Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2 says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. And what is the house that you would build for me? What is the place for my rest? And God is saying that heaven belongs to me. I'm the sovereign God. Earth belongs to me. I'm the owner of the entire universe. What are you going to build for me? What are you going to do for me? Go to the second part of verse 2. It says, this is the one, but this is the one I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. The reason why this verse is so powerful to my heart in that particular situation is that I was trying to discern which route to take. Should I go into seminary route or different route? Should I go into ministry or, should I go into ministry or not? But God was not concerned about which career path that I should take. This particular verse grabbed my heart because God was speaking to me, Stephen, I want you to be this kind of a person. I don't need to have you build a house for me. I own everything. Entire world is mine, but to this person I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at my word. And that was my aha moment. God is more interested in who I become than what I do with my life. I could serve the Lord equally as a teacher, as a businessman, if I have this kind of posture. So God grabbed my heart, and that was such a a powerful verse that I held on to. And ever since I came back from the mission trip, every single door opened up for me to go into the ministry route. And here I am as a pastor over so many years. God grabs your heart and be able to speak to you. And that is exactly what we're talking about. When we're having a time of devotion, they would, the devotion will lead to a conviction. Conviction that you know that this is so true. This is something that you have to do. It's almost like moral imperative. You have to do this. This is exactly what Pastor Tom was talking about, the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit last week. When God nudges you, when God pulls you, you are just wrapped up. You're just kind of controlled by the Holy Spirit that you have to go in that direction. You cannot avoid it. It's very clear. So after you have time of devotion, it would lead you to time of conviction. And you know, without a shade of doubt, this is what you have to do. And then you take action together. Maybe some of you are here in this room feeling convicted. What God is telling you is to forgive the person that that has hurt you. Maybe God is convicting you to reach out to call somebody that is in your small group. Maybe God is convicting you to get baptized like the example that we saw last week, to make your spiritual life in order. Maybe God is convicting you to start a new business or new ministry, a new relationship. But that conviction would not come without time of devotion because you cannot arrive there without spending time with the Lord. And then you take action, bold step of faith to make sure that you get out of your comfort zone and be able to let God lead you to the next step. It's a step of faith. Psalm 143 verse 10 says this, Teach me to do your will. 
not just to know your will, but to do your will. God doesn't reveal his will unto you for you to just consider it. Uh-huh, I know exactly what God wants me to do. No, teach me your will to do. Teach me to do your will. We have to take action. And that's why we have to take the three-step process to come to a, a moment of action. And when you come to a moment of action, there's an uncommon confidence that you know this is something that you have to do together. There's a verse It's worth memorizing. Write this, I think it's already in your sermon note, circle that Psalm 37 verse 4. Psalm 37 verse 4, which says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He, God, will give you the desires of your heart. Think about this. Think about this particular verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does it mean? It means to devote yourself fully to the Lord. Seek Him earnestly. Pursue Him passionately. Let Him be the joy of your life. Devote yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Let God be the, the joy and happiness of your life. When you delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible tells you and promises you that He, God, will give you the desires of your heart. God will give you the desires of your heart. I want you to understand this. This is going to be liberating to you. When you have a time of devotion with the Lord about this particular option that you have to choose, you, maybe a week or two weeks, maybe a month or two, however long that you need to take to make sure that you marinate your heart and mind with the Lord about this particular option that you're choosing, you go to the Lord in prayer. Before you come up with your own decision, you just go to the Lord in prayer first. And God would lead you to a sense of conviction. And then you take action. And according to the verse that we just read, when you come to that time of action, after you spend time of devotion and conviction time, do you know what you need to do? Ready for this? Do whatever you want. Choose whatever you want, okay? Um, I want you to get this. this is gonna, you, you have the freedom to decide. God didn't make you a robot to make you do something that only he is programmed you to do. He actually made you to a person, as a person that has the freedom to decide. Think about the verse one more time. Delight yourself in the Lord. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. When you get to the place of devotion so much with the Lord, God will give you the desires of your heart. So whatever I want, I could choose. And that would be fine. That's exactly what God has given us the freedom to do so. Don't be nervous about it. Don't second guess it. After time of prayer and devotion, you will be very convicted that this is something that you have to do and just do it. Freedom to choose. Freedom to choose which job to take, which school to go to. Pray and wait for the conviction. And make that decision with bold faith. Bold faith. Um, I've been married to Helen for 25 years. And um, we dated for four years before we got married. So we've been together for practically 30 years of our lives. For a long time. So I think I know her quite well. I think she knows me quite well. So we kind of think alike. As a matter of fact, my children often complain that, Hey, Dad, what you're telling me now, Mom told me yesterday. 
Same thing, right? And they will say the same thing to her. Mama, you told me today, but dad told us last week already. We know exactly what we need to do. I mean, we didn't kind of talk about this. You know, we didn't strategize. Okay, why don't you say it first and then I'll say it later. We didn't talk about this. But when you spend too much time with a person together, you kind of on the same wavelength. You're on the same wavelength. You kind of think alike. Maybe you have that with your spouse. Maybe you have that with your parents. Maybe you have that with your boss. Because you spend enough time together, you know exactly what the next step is. That's exactly what the verse is teaching us. When you delight yourself in the Lord, when you walk with Jesus day in, day out, for a long time with the heart of trust, heart of surrender, God's going to give you the desires of your heart, and that is His desire. You already know His desire because you went through the process. So make that bold move, understanding that God got your back. Let me tell you why this process is so important in your decision-making. Oftentimes, when you make decisions, you make a chart, pros and cons, and analyze, and which we all do, which is nothing wrong with it, as long as we bring God into the picture. Uh, I want you to understand this. Uh, whenever we try to make a decision with our human mind, human analytical mind, after we make that decision, um, take that route, when the going gets tough, and going will get tough, sometimes we look back and say, oh, maybe we should have taken the other option. We sometimes second-guess ourselves about the decisions that we made last year or last week, especially when the going gets tough. But if you take your heart through this process of devotion and conviction to action, you're not banking on your own wisdom or your own heart emotions. You're banking on God's faithfulness. You're banking on God who is guiding your steps to where you are. So you have an assurance in your heart that even though the going gets tough and it's going to get bumpy in the future, you're relying on God's faithfulness upon your life. You don't doubt. You're, you're banking on God. That's what you're doing. And you would never have to, you don't have to second-guess yourself about which route you should have taken. Maybe I could even put it this way. A second best, if you have two great options in front of you, and you have to choose one or the other by this coming week, after you go through the devotion, um, time with the Lord, maybe a second best option with your complete trust in the Lord is far better than the first best option with a wavering heart. Does it make sense? Okay. You have two great options you have. You have to choose one or the other. Second best option with the complete trust in the Lord is far better than the first best option, seemingly, but with a doubtful heart. Because when you have a doubtful heart, it doesn't matter which choice that you make, you're going to waver. You're always going to second-guess yourself, and that's going to agonize you. That's going to be so hard. So what you need to do as you think about who to marry, uh, which school to go to, which job to choose, uh, about your future plans and career plans and all that, 
marinate your heart, your mind with God and make the decision with the prompting of the Holy Spirit when God gives you that nudge in your heart. I use that particular process in my life and as a pastor of this church, I'm so grateful to be part of a leadership of our church um, that believes in that. Uh, this past year, we went through so many changes, uh, as you all know, in order to be where we are, to give a birth to New, New Story Church. Uh, it's a scary decision that we had to make as a church, but I'm so thankful that our leadership, men and women, great men and women, took that to the Lord first. Time of devotion marinating the issue to the Lord until we come to a place of conviction to take action, to give birth to a new story. And yeah, in the future, whichever route that you take, we're going to hit the bumps, different turns and twists that we go through. But don't you ever forget who is the author of this journey. If you understand, if you spend time with the Lord and God convicted you to make that decision, you're banking on God and his greatness and goodness and faithfulness. And you could just charge forward and be able to uh, serve the Lord in a great way. May that be the same case for you in your personal life. As you make some important decisions of your life, may God become so abundantly clear. His presence will be abundantly clear in your life that you will be able to enjoy him far more than the decision itself. Amen? Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and faithfulness. Lord, um, there's no way that I could be where I am without you being part of my life. And that testimony echoes through everybody in this room that it is you who guides our steps. Yeah, we, we want to make plans. We want to make our future decisions, and we panic, we, we get stressed out. But Lord, we trust you. You are our shepherd that leads us step by step. So Lord, today, we choose to take one solid step with you. We choose to take one solid step with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, cause us to love you more than about our future. Cause us to learn how to wait and hear your voice before we panic, before we worry, before we get anxious. If you tell us to stop, we will stop. If you tell us to go, we will go. If you point southwest, we will go southwest. If you point northeast, we will go northeast because wherever you direct us, we know that that's the right place to be. May we surrender our hearts unto you. May we surrender our agenda unto you in the process of discerning and make decisions in our lives. Help us to love you more, more intimately than ever before. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by this message, we hope you'll share it with a friend and subscribe to our podcast. Or best of all, come visit us in person at our LA campus. 
For directions, service times, and more info, check out newstorychurch.com. Thanks again, and see you soon.